0: Hey, hey everybody, welcome back to session 10 of Storm King's Teddy. So we've done 11 sessions now, Kat. How you been?
1: Good, how are you?
0: Oh man, good. Um, was thought I was going to have to mow this weekend and it has rained every day, so it has gotten me out of mowing. It's been awesome. <laughs> so Which means you got more to mow next time. Yeah, that's alright. That's what I got a, a diesel tractor for. So, uh, it can get as tall as my waist and it still won't give it any trouble. Um, so, uh, uh, combat heavy session last night.
1: Yeah, very intense. Well, not really intense, but, um, the density, enemy density was real big on this one.
0: Enemy density was, and we had, uh, two fairly, uh, Prominent encounters, I think, as far as a, a monster that could have done us some real damage. Um,
1: um, yeah, I think we had um three separate encounters. One, two, three, four separate encounters, actually.
0: So, one, two, three, four. It was five, technically, if you count all the different drones but uh, but regardless, um, yeah, so the the first encounter was when we picked up play and immediately you and who else went up to the Winifred you and Winifred went up to the actual uh, lamp floor of the lighthouse, and there you found a um, essentially inside the, the lamp house closed off with uh, hardened glass was a will of the wisp and the lighthouse, instead of putting out light was like pulsating darkness and creating ghouls.
1: Yep. And
0: um, so you guys had one round at least or first round up there on your own, right?
1: Yeah, uh, it was like we did our recap at the top of the session, like, you know, what happened last session, just to refresh everyone's brains. And then it was like, okay, free movement. What are you going to do? And it's like, okay, we got a turn order to go up the ladder. And this was like no longer than five minutes later. It's just like, hey, roll initiative. And it was just the will-o'-wisp in the container. And it was behind what later was locked glass doors. Um, but that never came into play because I was too afraid to go inside of the glass dome for some reason. I just had a really bad feeling like the will o wisp would like do like a big AOE attack in there and it would like be supercharged from the disc and I would do take a lot of damage. So I'm like, I'm not going in there at all.
0: Yeah. So, and I, to my mind, the will of the wisp was one of the encounters that really could have messed us up because, it was um, discharging electricity that could do in excess of 20 points of damage every strike. That wasn't the worst part, though. I mean, there was only one of them, right? The worst part yeah. was it was freaking impossible to hit the thing. It had a huge yeah. armor class. So, yeah. but, um, so the, uh, and it was inside, and it wasn't just like plate glass either. It was like hardened glass, so it wasn't just like you were going to hit it with a, with one strike and, and shatter, which as we were fighting, uh, more and more people came up to the, to the lamp level. And as we were fighting and everybody was going, you know, trying to destroy the glass, I was thinking that we shouldn't because I didn't, I didn't know if the wisp got out, if it was, um, you know, could have wreaked more havoc on us that way. We did need to get inside the glass, though, because uh, Teddy mentioned that there were the runes that made the the lighthouse go. And then there were also, like, infernal runes, and that's what was causing it to be dark and pump out the dark energy and that, that kind of thing. So we did need to get rid of the runes.
1: Yeah, we needed to get in one way or another. Um, I... The first round of action before like the specters were summoned um, was my first round of action was I attacked the glass and I hit it pretty dang hard. And I think in total there was like four or five attacks from multiple different people before it finally broke and we were able to get in. Um, But that's pretty much how it went is we pretty much ignored the glass doors and just smashed our way in. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and so basically, when all of us were up there, it ended up pumping out uh, three or four ghouls in total, and plus the plus the wisp. And if anybody got close to the glass, the wisp could affect them. And <laughs> it, it was magic glass because actually, glass is a very good insulator. Uh, I don't know that it would have conducted electricity like that. But uh, I worked in a glass factory for five years. <laughs> so, uh, but the, um, if you, if you ever used to, uh, run across like old state highways and you'd see the old, uh, power line poles up there, they'd have these glass balls on top of them and they were used as insulators for the, for the power lines. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the, uh, but that man, that wisp was shooting electricity through that glass into you guys and doing some significant damage.
1: Yeah. I immediately went from like, I lost like 10 HP, like round one in the first five minutes. Cause I was at 28 to 18 and I spent a good, like 70% of yesterday's session under half HP.
0: Under half. Yep. Easily. And So, and, and, but the thing is, you took that 10. Uh, I saw a later roll that ended up not going off because the, I think, because the runes got destroyed, or, or did it go off and, I can't remember if that's what, no, it was the, it was later, it was a a different form of electricity. Um, I, but I think I saw a roll that ended up not going off because we ended up destroying the runes that was, in excess of twenty five points of damage, so that ten you took wasn't even half of what you could have taken
1: yeah it was it was little did we know um thunder damage hurts, and that'll come into play later on too
0: so um, uh in this in this fight um this was the first fight that Keelan had ever summoned a spiritual weapon summoned it inside the um the glass with the wisp and, uh, tried to hit it four times. I hit once out of four on the wisp. Um, and, uh, I, and wasn't rolling terrible for the most part. I think if, it, if I, if I would have had that hammer outside and hitting ghouls, um, I would have been probably four for four or at least yeah. three for four.
1: I, I believe, I don't know why, but the wisp had advantage on its saving throws. So, um, I mean, as Winifred pointed out in chat, like none of the saving throws mattered because the first number was always higher than the, (laughs) the spell save DC, but it still had advantage and that like, it it was just making saves. So, Uh, I mean, you, like you said, you hit it once out of four and granted you hit it hard when it did hit
0: 10 points, but yeah, but the, but I actually attacked it. 8 times because I also told the dead four times in this fight and it saved every single time. So, um that was uh, yeah, it was it was difficult to hit that thing. Um so Yeah, so in the fight with a
1: Go ahead. Uh I was just saying you were focusing the will-o'-wisp. Um there was the ghouls or specters, I don't remember which one they were. They were the same um enemy type as um in porsche's dungeon the ones that were gonna ambush us but didn't ambush us the flying crusaders or whatever whatever they were called um and so i'm like okay we've encountered these things before it's top of the session there's like three of them the will-o'-wisp is dishing out a whole bunch of damage i'm like let's divine smite um and so i divine smited knowing that it would work and i'd get extra damage and i could easily take one of these things out because unless you had a magical weapon they had resistances so these things are a little they're not impossible for us to fight but they're difficult for us to fight um so for me i'm like all right let's just take this one out of the equation well lo and behold the little lens in the glass dome negated my divine smite and it 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 basically what teddy said was it like it absorbed the power of my divine smite so i got the damage off but i didn't get the radiant damage off and that was the big thing
0: yeah you would have really torn it up if you would have kept that um now during that fight though uh so i thought that they were shadows in portia's basement and these were ghouls we had fought ghouls before right
1: we fought ghouls in the lower levels of the uh lighthouse right
0: so when they when they struck they could drain a point of strength oh, and yeah. you got hit and had a point of your strength drained was it also Lars that was hit or who?
1: i believe it was Winifred uh, okay
0: i knew i knew two of us got hit and you were one of them yes usually I I don't keep uh close track of that unless it's somebody that's running rocking a strength bonus because that's where it really hurts. Or if it'll take a negative, you know, to a negative to hit bonus. Right. Um But so you you actually did lose one of your pluses to hit because it took your strength to fifteen, so you were only plus two. Wouldn't
1: uh, it Oh well it doesn't matter. What's that? I was just going to say, I thought, um, 15 and 16 was still plus three. No, and it's,
0: it's, so if you're, uh, eight and nine is minus one, zero or uh, 10 is zero. So is 11, 12 is plus one. So is 13, 14 and 15 are plus two, 16 and uh, 17 are plus three. So, uh, okay. uh which is, um, what, yeah, so that's why that's why I ended up going to fourteen on my strength. One of the reasons I ended up going to fourteen on my strength, so I could okay. get the extra point of damage, and also when I uh, get my uh, freebie that uh, Teddy uses, I think it's a fifth level that we all get a point to add that I can add it to my strength and wear plate.
1: Okay, all right, I understand now.
0: So um, uh, this fight went our way. Right after the glass did get broken, and we were able to get the runes disrupted, that when the runes disrupted, it actually destroyed the wisp as well, and the light yep. started shining again in the lens.
1: yep it was also mentioned um that Teddy made it a point that if we were going to destroy stuff, maybe not to destroy the lens of the lighthouse because Stormreach is a port town. And this is the only lighthouse it has, so that we probably could have had some huge consequences if we destroyed that lens yeah but important I
0: think, important safety tip, thanks, egon,
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, but I think we all kind of knew not to destroy the lens,
0: yeah I, I I don't think that that was um what we were going to go after, but we uh oh, and also want to mention at this point that Lars did throw a uh, crit with his dagger, and uh, Teddy, having heard the last podcast when I said that it would have been cooler if his dagger ricocheted back to him, uh, when he did that, his dagger did, in fact, ricochet back to his hand. So that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, the rule of cool.
0: Um. So once we were done with this encounter, we had dispatched the ghouls, we had um, dispatch the wisp by way of destroying the infernal runes. The, we figured out that the lens of the lighthouse was in fact a gate and we were like, ah, that's how we get to the basement. So we all go through. So I was, uh, I, I should have thought of this before. Uh, I can read the giant runes. So I, uh, so I read them and said, okay, so guys, this is what you have to say. And I told you what you had to say and I disappeared. Yep. <laughs> so I should have said, okay, the last word of this is this and the rest of it is this. And so I wouldn't have disappeared because I left my dog and I would have grabbed a hold of my dog before I, before I teleported. However, you brought Riley through for me.
1: Yeah, I was, everyone was saying the phrases and disappearing, and um, I'm like, okay, if we're disappearing, I'm going to grab Riley, because I'm pretty sure it would be, one, it would be a pain in the back to reclaim um, Riley after this was all over, and two, I didn't really want to leave Riley behind. So I'm like, if we're being teleported, I'm going to snatch onto Riley and get teleported with Riley. So, um,
0: but I had, <laughs> I went off mic, and I was laughing my ass, off. Like, that was a... <laughs> Fucking boneheaded thing to do, Wend. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, um, the the teleportation runes read, uh, Glory to colseir, be welcome if you're a friend to dragon or giant. And everyone was disappearing left and right by saying the phrase, and I'm like, I was kind of being a smartass, and I'm like, well, I'm a friend of a dragon, and I didn't get teleported. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so then it... Occurred to me or was told to me that I had to say the phrase and in order to be teleported. So I'm like, fine, I'll say the phrase. And I got teleported with everyone else.
0: And when we were all teleported, we realized that we're in a really cramped cell (laughs) and we're locked in. Uh, We did make it to what we believe is the basement. Um, That was never stated outright, but we think that's where we are. And we're all in this cell and outside of the cell, uh, we see, um, that, uh, Eldemir Fallocrest guy, his head and only his head on a table, uh, the, there was a tiefling dressed like a guard and restrained with leather straps. That was Tabantha. Um, and then, um, she was struggling on the table. There were two Iron Defenders. They're like mechanical hellhounds. It's kind of how I looked at them. Um, and then we also, let's see, what else was there? Oh, um, two Iron Defenders. Uh, there was a Kobold and that was, um, Haslak Char, right? hmm And, uh, he had really blank eyes and the gnome, um, uh, Huber Von Schoop, I think, was the full name. We just called him Huber. Um, was uh, wearing, like, um, steampunk-type goggles, but had the logo of the bilge rats on the side of it and was uh, doing something to keep Huber, like, in a trance. And um, there was going to be some dialogue, I think, at this point, but uh, Keelan and... Uh, Tabanay flexed and uh, gave one another advantage and bent the bars so that we could, so the entire party could exit the the cage.
1: Yeah, I think Teddy's plan was we're all stuck, you know, try and find a way to get out while Huber is just kind of monologuing, introducing himself, telling us what's going on. And you and I were just like, nope, not having it. We're getting out of here. So you gave me advantage on – was it athletics or was it a raw strength? Um, I think it was athletics. And, and,
0: and also um, guidance, right?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure it was athletics. And you gave me advantage on a, an athletics check, and I crit. Um, yes. I didn't really – the the guidance was like the cherry on top, but I crit – and got like a, I think it was a 27 in total. Um, and the way Teddy described it is just like, okay, so you don't just bend the bars, you just kick down the iron door and just bust it open and it goes flying across the room. And at that point, you know, Hoover's just like, whoa, hey there, calm down. And, you know, we're all just it just spewing from the the cell, now fanning out across the room. And we essentially, were just like, Cooper was talking to us, but we're just like, yeah, screw you, whatever, we're not talking about you. And you and I went over to, you said Tabantha, but all of us in session were saying Talantha, so... Right,
0: well, I think that's how Teddy introduced it, was Talantha, but then later in session he said, actually, I think it's Tabantha.
1: Yes. So whether it's Talantha or Tabantha, I don't know. I'm going to say Talantha because... That's how I remember it. If it's Tabantha, I'm sorry. Um, we can probably call her Tana for short or something just <laughs> to meet in the middle. But, um, yeah, she was the tiefling that was tied up and it was told to us by Hoover that like, Hey, don't mess with her. I'm turning her into a, a vampire.
0: And, uh, one of us did a, or a few of us, I think did a, um, what what check do we have to do? Intuition check? Insight. And, insight check. And it was... Absolutely, that's what was going on.
1: <laughs> yep. So, um, and then I believe you and um, Portia have to make, like, arcana or religion checks on Talantha to see what was happening to her. And sure enough, yeah, he was telling the truth. Hooper was telling the truth. He's being turned into a vampire. We found out she had two rounds to go before she fully turned. And you rolled really high enough to know how to reverse the process. And it was Teddy told us like, listen, you can reverse the process, but it will eat up your turn. And you need a full round of combat or a full round to go without being hit in order for this to successfully go off.
0: Or if I got hit, I would have to make a save.
1: Right. And so once Teddy said that, I was just like, done. I know exactly what to do. I get to use one of my class features. I'm throwing myself in the fray. I'm like, I'm protecting you at all costs. And this is this. I was really excited about this upcoming combat. And
0: you were like, really excited about it with half your freaking hit points.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was pretty beaten up and I'm like, I'm going to die, but I'm going out in a blaze of glory. Uh, what is so, he
0: doing? <laughs> he, yeah. He closed the distance, put himself in the middle of all of these and then said, you're all fighting me. Yep. <laughs> He's got
1: half of his hit points. <laughs> I, I was playing reckless last night and it was fun. Um, but yeah, I'm like. Nothing's gonna touch Keelan. I'm like nothing's gonna get past me. So I moved up next to an iron defender, the one that was closest to you. And um unfortunately it went before me. But I think Teddy said I could use my reaction to get an attack of opportunity on it, and I'm like, oh hell yeah, I'm doing that. And I did like two-thirds of its damage, thereby reducing its movement and keeping him closer to me. Um, which was keeping him away from you, which is all I wanted. And that's exactly what happened. Um, but in turn, I think he attacked me instead of you and grappled me or like he, he, the iron defender clenched onto my arm and I was grappled. Yes. Um, and so that kind of ruined my plan because I was out of position at this point. But I could still, I still had the range to do it. Um, And essentially what I did, and this kind of made me feel good in chat, because when I did it, Prue in chat was just like, oh, wow, this is a taunt. Um, I taunted everyone. And I used my channel Divinity, and it was like Champion of Conquest or Champion of Combat or something is what it's called. And it's like any creature that I can see has to make a like a wisdom saving throw or something and if they fail they're all attacking me and i'm just and that's exactly what happened is like i came up here i attacked the iron defender with my reaction and then as a bonus action i was like all of you are attacking me you're all coming after me and like i'm your target and i did it on Huber, i did it on the haslac char i did it on both iron defenders and they all, uh, and the majority, almost all of them, made their saves. So it was kind of all in vain. Okay. The only one that, the only one that failed, was the one that was grappling me. At that this, was already attacking me.
0: <laughs> at this point, I'm like, okay, what is the deal with wisdom saves? Because that's the wisdom. That's the same save that has to be made for Toll the Dead. I'm like, wisdom should universally uh, there are specific creatures that have, that have bonuses to that, but wisdom saves are universally some of the worst saving throws to have to make. And constitution, almost everybody's got bonuses to constitution strength. A lot of creatures have, you know, charisma, but wisdom (laughs) and, and yours is a wisdom save. Told the dead is a wisdom save. So far you've tried to affect, uh, four creatures, right? Was it four? Yep. Four creatures with your effect. I had cast Hold the Dead four times. So far, we have one success in eight opportunities on wisdom saves. Uh, it's maddening. Um, but, I mean, that's just the dice. So, um, And the one that you did get, did you say it was the one that had already clamped on your arm?
1: Yeah, it was the one that yeah, was already yeah. next to me. Uh I pulled up my sheet and it's called um Champion of Challenge. It's one of my channel divinities. I have another channel divinity that I can do too, but I um but I can only do one or the other after a long rest. So I can only choose to do the my taunt or my other ability which I'm kind of saving for uh oh shit moment um because it's it, it'll help but it's it's kind of like a it's, it's essentially a band aid help.
0: I think that, um, you Tabanay and Keelan need to coordinate on that ability. Um, and we also need to buy a couple of platinum rings. Okay. Because I think that if you and I both buy a platinum ring, that's worth like 50 gold pieces each, Uh I can prepare a second level spell and I think it's called uh uh Soul Bind or I I can't remember I can't remember the name of it, but what it essentially does is I can cast it on you, you gain resistance to every form of physical damage. Which means if you get hit for ten, it becomes five. Mm Mm-hmm. And I take the other half of that damage. So if we lock like that and then you use that ability to bring them all to you, you could you could really tear some stuff up.
1: Yeah. The only problem is, is I don't really, until fifth level, I will only have one attack and I don't have very many AOE attacks and slash worth spells. So right now I can only attack once. Fifth level, I'll get a second attack, which will help. But, you know, if I got like six jobbers on me and I can only attack two of them, you know, I might be in, I might have a uh, bit off more than I can chew at that point.
0: Yeah, but I mean, the, it would also, if there were enemies that, you know, even if, if there were a lot of small, but not very powerful enemies, you could keep attacks off of other people with a lower armor class.
1: Yeah. But that, so that was our second, um, I would call this a major encounter because we also fought, um, Hooper. Right.
0: And, uh, and actually caught a set of magic missiles from the kobold for the enthralled kobold
1: too. Yes, that's true. Um, but essentially, you know, that combat happened, um, I did a big taunt. It failed. I was sad because um, I was really excited to do that.
0: Single paladin tear.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it sheds from my right eye. Um, and then the it kind of went off smooth because everyone just kind of picked off some characters. We got in positions, got flanks on the other iron defender. Um, kind of was surrounding Huber. And it was at this point Huber activated, like, a a shield charm that um, Portia had to roll an Arcana check and essentially told us that it negated, like, first through fifth level spells. It was
0: a globe of invulnerability.
1: Yeah. He had a
0: brooch and he activated it. And at this point, we're figuring out Huber is an artificer.
1: Yeah. And he kind of taunts Portia saying, like, oh, I'm a better artificer.
0: (laughs) And... So uh, he and Portia had history. Uh, she kind of drove him out of town because she was easier to deal with, and so uh, so she ended up with more customers. But yeah, so um, global inv- of invulnerability—that means cantrips, anything that we have other than just abilities will not, uh, you know, attacks with spells just won't affect him because the highest level spell we have second.
1: Yeah. So it was it was pretty much just a melee brawl on Huber Um and uh this this point, you know, um a whole round of combat happened. You saved Talantha. Well, uh, so I
0: did the I did the work on Talantha. The group saved Talantha. We got out of the cage in time. We engaged them in time, and you guys kept all the heat off of me while I worked on her. This was there. There was no just me saving her because everybody went forward and engaged these these things that could have, you know, attacked me while I was doing the work.
1: That's true. I I think we did learn from. Porsche's basement that uh we we don't want to dilly dally so yeah it was it was kind of nice that we got out of the cage the way we did immediately because i'm pretty sure if that didn't happen we would be stuck in the cage and talantha would be another enemy for us to fight
0: and uh, yeah right if all we had to do was stay in there two rounds and we would have a vampire under this guy's control also the interesting the the uh, rune that I had to destroy or dispel was uh, the same rune that we've been seeing all this time. It's the Kraken Skull with the sword through it.
1: Yep. Um, so anyways, the team saved Talantha. There you go. That's I like that better. <laughs> uh, all of us doing our part here and there. Damage, Bardic Inspirations, Master of Tactics, um you know we all used uh everything to our abilities um then at some point we saved Lantha she got up like you saved her okay sorry the team saved her <laughs> um and then once you broke her bonds she immediately went after you in the turn order so she was just like all right I'm saved it's time to fight um i think at this point i was at like eight HP and she healed me. Um, which I'm if she didn't, I would have died. Um, because Huber Misty stepped from his position to go like clear over towards the eastern wall and he pulled out like this electric cannon <laughs> and, um, essentially shot. I forget the spell's name, it was essentially like lightning, it was a bolt lightning
0: or... bolt gun, is <laughs> what it yeah. amounted to. It was a lightning bolt.
1: Yeah, and so he shot it in a line, and there was Lars, myself, and Portia was in that line. And we all had to make constitution saving throws. Oh,
0: or dex, I don't remember which. Or
1: dex, yeah, it was one of the two. Um, Lars and I passed, and we took half damage, but Portia failed. And he dealt 25 damage. And it was at this point, I felt really good, because Portia was just like, Thank you, Tabane, and your temporary HP, because I think she was down to 1 HP.
0: Yeah, she was
1: hurt bad. I'm like 90% sure she had 26 HP, and 6 were temporary HP from my Inspiring Leader. And she took 25 damage from that, so... She got really messed up and was just like, thank you for the temp temp HP. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm doing something, you know, like <laughs> that, that made me feel good.
0: Um, so yeah. And at this point, um, Uber is, he's getting ready to do some other stuff. He'd already taken some damage before he misty stepped, um, right. But, uh, he's getting ready to do some more stuff. Maybe shoot the lightning gun again. We don't know. At this point, Keelan uses her uh, divine power to uh, do healing, and that what she can do is use her, her divine inspiration. Uh, she can still only use it once a day, but she can use it for three different things. One of them is to turn undead, one of them is to do this heal, and one of them is to replace a spell slot. So what she did was uh, a heal, which does five points of healing per cleric level. So I can do 15 points using this divine inspiration. The trick is that I it has to be someone within 30 feet of me, and it also can't take anybody up past half of their hit points. So I took you from where you were after the lightning bolt up to exactly half of your hit points and then put the other three or four on Lars, I think. Uh, I think cause I, th- you, I think you ended up with 11 of them.
1: Yeah. Cause I was, I went from like, I had eight and then I got like 11 healing from Talantha. And then I took 12 or no, I got eight healing from Talantha. um, I got some amount of healing from Talantha, and then I immediately took 12 damage from the lightning bolt, and that took me down to 3 HP. So, once again, still under half, still rocking out, and just kicking ass and taunting, and just running into the fray.
0: So, took you up to um, half with what I gave you, plus a little bit for Lars, and then I also... um, did a bonus action for healing word on Porsche. Yep. and don't remember uh, maybe eight. I, I don't remember how many, uh, Porsche ended up getting seven or eight.
1: Yep. Um, and then, and then after that, we all kind of like was running towards Huber. Um, Lars was the first one to get there. You didn't have quite enough movement to get there but granted you healed the half of the party so there was not much else you could do after that um and then it was my turn again and this is where i did a blunder in my eyes it wasn't
0: it wasn't your turn yet what riley plowed into him and took him down to the ground
1: Right, I forget right I forgot about Riley,
0: which actually, if I would have known it was going to give disadvantage to the ranged attacks, I wouldn't have had him do that. Um, but and also in retrospect, um, he didn't do he didn't actually do his damage. He, he only took him prone. <laughs> I forgot to roll his damage. so uh,
1: right. yeah, Riley did his bowling attack and yeah. came barreling in and knocked Huber prone. Um, crew did a ranged attack at, uh, a just a normal one. Normally she would have advantage. If she did this, it's like she, um, eats up her movement to gain advantage on hit. But since he was at disadvantage, it just kind of equaled out. So she just did a normal attack. Lars then ran up and did his vicious mockery or something. Um, and then, then it was my turn. And, um, I ran up to Hoover and i attacked him and in hindsight is 2020 i feel like i should have grappled him instead of attacked him because attacking him brought him down to his threshold to where he just crushed a timepiece or something and he just vanished and teleported away because i did damage to him that's when i that's when that happened i'm like oh great i i just made him disappear like we could have captured him or something um, like, I should have just grappled him and held him in place or something. or tried only, to. On, I, I think the
0: only hands. way that would have worked is if you could have, like, held his hands to keep him from doing what he was going to do. I don't think, I mean, maybe Teddy had a number in mind for a, okay, at this number of hit points, he's going to teleport away. But I think that he was just playing Huber as an intelligent spellcaster that was going to assess the situation as it unfolded and even if he was low on hit points, if he was in an advantageous situation, he wouldn't have left. So I, I don't think that it mattered one way or the other, unless you grappling could have prevented him from utilizing that timepiece. That's the only thing. Otherwise, I think he was going to go anyway because his his minions were all not enthralled, not turned into a vampire or dead, and he was facing six adventurers that were doing decent damage on him and, or, you know, that's if he stuck around. And right. If you're playing an intelligent character at that point and you have an out, you're going to take it. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, what a, long story short, I think you did the right thing. I don't, I don't think it mattered one way or another unless you could have kept him from actually accessing that timepiece. So, uh um, yeah, well
1: Hooper lives to wreak havoc some more.
0: Yeah. Um okay, and in this room, uh we found a bunch of uh lab equipment. Uh, Portia was excited about that. We um so alchemist supplies, carpenter's tools, herbalism kit, poisoners kit, thieves tools, tinkerers' tools. We also found two potions of greater healing, one necrotic resistance potion, a potion of water breathing, and a blue and gold robe with like a frictionless feel and a tail hanging down. Uh, so it's a magic cloak of some kind. Um, if it wasn't for the tail hanging down, my guess would be a cloak of protection. We'd ha- we haven't identified it yet. Right. So my guess would be a cloak of protection because of the frictionless feel. Uh, but with the tail, I don't know. As it has me thrown. So, uh, we picked up these items, uh, found a secret door, uh, secret tunnel, uh, for those, (laughs) (laughs) you must watch avatar. Yeah. (laughs) And we, um, so, uh, we started down that and we ran into our third encounter, which was, um, a bunch of, it was 10 monodrones and like a... Like a little five foot tall pillar that had buzzsaws coming off of it, that was just randomly going around. And the buzzsaw wasn't active yet, but we fought the monodrones, and we uh, we finished all of them. Then it activated and started moving around. And uh, you and who was it, Lars tried to disable the buzzsaw. Mm -hmm. and trying to tip it um, over,
1: right? um, Portia threw some attacks at it too. Um, I think Rue shot a crossbow bolt at it, but it it had an insanely high armor class, so I think they just kind of gave up and was like, yeah, let's just not deal with that thing. Um, But it was told to us that if we could tip it over, or like we could tip it over, and that might disable it. So... That's what I was trying to do. Um, Lars was trying to jam a dagger in the mechanics to kind of like stop it that way. But he, he wasn't. Lars was having some pretty bad rolls and I felt kind of bad. He got a lot of nat ones. <laughs> Let's
0: Yeah, let's talk about Lars for a second, though. Uh, I'm going to start keeping track of this, too, because it's just fun. Uh, I have to start keeping track of how many calendars he offers out every game session. <laughs> so he offered one to uh, Tabantha, and she's like, yeah, sure. Gave him like a gold piece for it. And then also offered one to uh, Char. The And he's like, yes, and then ate it. <laughs> so um, that's always a good comic relief. Uh, Lars is pimping his calendars. Um, so, okay. While you guys are messing with the, the buzzsaw thing, we open another door and, uh, we should mention the monodrones dropped platinum rods. So there were 10 platinum rods worth 20 gold pieces each that were non-magical, but there were also small, uh, discs that were charged. They called them batteries. And we were able to take these batteries and use three of them to open the door, um, to the next passageway. Um, Winifred went in there and sees four duo drones and they're thinking about attacking him and he's, (laughs) he convinces them that he belongs there. So they decide that he is also a slave like they are and welcome fellow slave, that kind of thing. And so then they actually helped us in a fight against a couple of spider swarms that were in that room. And, um, and Winifred said it in game and I was just about to go, yeah, let's do that before we open the next door. So Keelan's like number one rule of adventuring, don't leave anything bad behind you. And Winifred said, we probably ought to kill these guys before we go any farther. <laughs> and I didn't listen to him. I should have that. That's number one rule. And, uh, so we open the next door. We see tri drones and quad drone. There are three tri drones and a quad drone in there. And they command the duo drones to also help them fight. So now we're fighting eight drones (laughs) and we only would have had to fight four if I would have listened to Winifred. Yeah. And so, um, anyway, the duo drones weren't, all that tough, but still it was, you know, uh, something that we had to deal with. We couldn't focus our attacks on the, on the bigger ones. Uh, they also dropped batteries and platinum rods, <clears throat> the tri drones and the quad drone. They were a little bit tougher of a fight. My spiritual weapon ran out, uh, about two thirds of the way through that fight. And, um, I think I only have one first level spell left at the end of all of this, but we, uh, we ended up, uh, beating them. There were two almost like, um, uh, plates that were, uh, radiating electricity. When you and I went after the quad drone, we both went by those plates and like it arced electricity out to us, but it didn't affect me. Did you get any damage off of that?
1: No, we both made our saves. Okay.
0: And uh, anyway, we ended up killing the, um, the Quadrone. He boogied in between those plates, and the electricity healed him a little. But then uh, another hit, and he was done. Yeah. So uh,
1: this, this was an encounter that I, I really want to commend Teddy for, because this was a good amount of enemy density, but it wasn't scary. They didn't have a lot of HP, and they didn't hit very hard. This is the second time where we've been like almost surrounded or there's like um, the first time was the pack of jackals at, at the beginning of Porsche's shop. Um, yeah. Yep. And this is the second time where I'm just like, Oh God, there's like 10 of these things. We're going to have to like funnel them through the hallway and like pick them off at range or something. But honestly, they weren't that bad. They had a reasonable AC to hit They didn't have much HP and when they did hit, it was like a D six D eight at most, I think for a damage. Yeah.
0: But as the, as we got more and more of them, so the mono drones only had one attack. The duo drones had two and so on and so forth. Well, by the time we got to the tri drones, if they were attacking three times, they may only be doing one D six, but they hit you all three times. That could be some damage.
1: Right. And that's, I, I agree with you and but this is just something I wanna I wanna commend Teddy for is the scaling of enemies is really good.
0: Yep, I there's, agree.
1: There's been a couple times where I'm like, oh god, like this is gonna be a one hell of a fight. And it turns out we're fine. We get through it just fine. Um, you know, we get hits here and we get hit here and there, but it ha nothing other than the gibbering mouther. That was a fight and a half. Um I think these fights have been scaled perfectly like there's they i mean even the fight with huber um we were doing good amount of damage he was dishing out damage towards us as well um like almost killing a few of us but you know we're the survivability is good the damage is good the attacking's good i'm really enjoying these encounters because every time i think we're in trouble we end up fine and it's it's i just I just think that's great.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's, it, I think it was scaled really well. Um, and I also agree that the mouther was probably the single hardest fight that we've been in.
1: Yeah. That mouther was, Oh man, that was such a good session. That mouther
0: Um, so at this point, after the last of these drones dies, Oh, the duo drones also gave us 20 gold piece rods and batteries, The tri-drones, there were three of them, uh, and they had, uh, 50 gold piece rods. So did the quad drone. And then they also had batteries as well. When the quad drone died, um, the bricks at the back of the room just kind of unfolded themselves and there is a blast door there. Describe it like something you'd see on the death star. Mm -hmm. And, um, So the question was asked, is it to keep something in or keep something out? And I think at this point, this is where our session ended, but I think that everybody's decided to take a short rest, which is not going to help me at all. But Other
1: than inspiring leader, it's not going to help me
0: either. So I haven't been hit. I still have all my temp hit points. So even getting inspiring leader again doesn't help. But it will help me because you guys are down HP and you're you're gonna get some abilities back and that kind of thing, but I I I am almost
1: cashed on spells. I'm spent. I've used all three of mine.
0: Oh, well, you know what? Uh, I have to check. I it is possible I'll get my uh divine power back after a short rest. I don't know if that's a long or a short.
1: It's a long rest. Yeah, uh, then yeah.
0: Then I'm <laughs> then I get nothing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, because so. I was wondering the same about my channel Divinity, and it's it's a long rest.
0: But um, anyway, um, combat heavy session. Um, we we got through quite a bit of it, and uh, it was a lot of fun. So, uh, any anything else before we do the Toll the Dead report?
1: Um. No, um, the only thing that we didn't quite get to, but it was unrelated to the session, is afterwards, um, you know, after the session ended, a couple of us hung around and were just, like, chatting and hanging about. Um, It might come to a point where I might multi-class from Paladin. I don't know what Hmm. I'm going to multi-class into, but... I'm probably gonna multi-class to get some more spell slots, or at least get some ranged options. Um, currently, what I I'll have to do some more research. Currently, what I'm thinking is maybe a warlock or a bard. I think I'm leaning more towards a bard, but I don't know. I'd have to do some research on that. But you know, you know, look out for that. I might you might have a multi-class paladin coming up here pretty soon.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I think I'm gonna multi-class into a paladin.
1: Alright. <laughs> <No>. Do it. <laughs> um,
0: I'm certainly not gonna do it before fifth level. But
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be a while before I multiclass as well. I think it's gonna be sixth level, maybe seventh before I start multi classing because I wanna at least get an aura um before I start you know, investing into another class. So for now, we're only third level. This is a long term thing. Just when I thought I had Tabanay all figured out Teddy's just like, Hey, you can multi-class and uh, You'll change your mind
0: five it. times between now and when you hit fifth level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, uh, Oh, so the, uh, big news, uh, you almost had to lay out because, uh, you had a computer die.
1: Uh, yes. My tried and true old rinky dinky laptop. Um, it, it it had a virus put on it, and um I took it in it's now fine, but I did upgrade to an actual computer tower with your help of course
0: well that's uh i'm I'm always happy to help other people spend their money so <laughs> uh the uh but uh so running good for you, yep, and now right. you can actually hear uh. Yeah, what I'm playing on my end of things on the soundboard when we do our podcasts.
1: Yeah. I'm sure oh, yeah. that's
0: a direct result of the processing power. So, um, well, um hope you end up enjoying it. So, um, all right. All right. Let's, the let's, told the let's do report. the Toll the Dead report. So, this session... Five Toll the Deads from Keelan um, with one hit so a session total of 20% and uh, that brings my total number of Toll the Deads for the entire campaign up to 20 I am 5 for 20 hitting 25% of the time that me on a spell that unless there are bonuses involved I should be <laughs> landing 60% of the time so, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, 20% in this session, 25% overall. So how's that?
1: It's, I mean, it's, it's an ongoing joke at this point, <laughs> unfortunately.
0: Um, but it is funny. Uh, and so when I was, when I was picking out my offensive cantrip, first of all, uh, we talked about this for just a second. I don't think that Toll of the Dead necessarily goes with, um, you know, a life domain cleric. Because it's necrotic damage. But if, um, you know, I also don't necessarily think that um, uh, crossbows go with clerics either. And I carry one of those. So, uh, but that's old school stuff where they had to use blunted weapons and and that kind of thing. Uh, but what it does do is it diversifies my damage. So, force damage for my spiritual weapon. Um, I get blunt damage for my mace. I get piercing damage for my crossbow. This gives me necrotic damage, and when I hit 5th level, uh, Spirit Guardians is going to give me radiant damage. So, it diversifies the types of damage that I can do. And So, any enemy we meet, hopefully, unless we can only use slashing damage on them, I'll be able to hit them. Was something so uh anyway that's uh that's the toll the dead report um you got anything else that we need to cover
1: uh i think that about covers it um oh um just want to add that behind the blast doors uh, you and I can still sense the presence of that celestial yet not celestial entity being behind the doors.
0: Yep, so uh, we, the big, the big bad that we're uh, here to face is still there. And we're all almost cashed on spells. So uh, it'll be Enjoying an interesting session next, next session, man. Thanks for taking yep. the time. And Thank you. Alright, we'll talk to you later on.